we think we want lives of distraction but focus is so rewarding and that's where you're really getting lost i mean that's what we actually want to do is get lost in that moment it's like how the french call the orgasm la petite mort meaning that little death and that's where i feel like that's like beauty with a capital b is when you are so consumed in that moment watching that sunset you are focused and you are one with that experience and that's what's so great about focus whether it's a hobby or a skill set but it's really important for humans to find focuses Welcome to Let It Out. I'm Katie. This week, a conversation that spends significant time talking about beauty. And as I was editing it, I contemplated my own relationship to vanity and aging and skincare and holistic beauty and internal beauty and beauty in general. Our guest, Nadine Artemis, is known for talking about beauty. She's the author of three books, and her latest is actually called Renegade Beauty. But she's probably most known as the founder and creator of Living Libations, a line of skincare, serums, elixirs, dental health care, essential oils, and... They're beauty products that honestly I've used and have loved for years. I found them maybe 10 years ago. She calls herself a beauty philosopher. And after speaking with her, I actually think I understand what that means. Nadine first combined flasks of essential oils to recreate a perfume that she liked for her school science fair. So she's been doing this for a really long time. And then her Botanical inclinations led her to, in 1994, open North America's first full-concept aromatherapy store. It was in Toronto. She's Canadian, and it was called Osmosis, and then eventually led to what she's doing now. And in this conversation, we get into her thoughts on skincare and wellness and the intersection between the two. I ask her if she feels extra pressure to sustain beauty and youth since she's the face of this brand. And we get into what true beauty means to her. She's someone who seeks beauty outside of physical appearance from, you know, the way she chooses to spend her days. We talk a lot about focus in this conversation, and that was a real watershed moment for me, the way she explained that. And she also brings beauty into how she uses appreciation and gratitude to notice it around her, even in really unexpected places. So we talk about that and then how she got her start you know, from that science fair I mentioned to years of waitressing where she would alchemize products and bring them into her coworkers to try. And I loved learning through this discussion that she has extreme knowledge about bodies and the female body. She actually did her dissertation on the female orgasm. 
And I learned in talking to her that female bodies are much less studied than male bodies. And we get into all of that. But like I said, up top, we talk a lot about beauty. And this made me contemplate why does beauty mean so much to me? Why does beauty mean so much to perhaps us, to the culture? How do we define it? How do we redefine it? And I guess there was some part of me that felt odd or off or vain for talking about physical beauty and vanity and considering it as much as I do. And this conversation maybe shed a light on that. So I went to the person who talks about beauty all of the time as a concept, and that person is my friend Juliana. So I met Juliana when I lived in New York City. It was when I lived in the East Village a couple years ago, and I got an email from her, which I get emails like this from time to time, which is pretty cool, actually, of, of people you know telling me all the ways they relate to me sometimes it's like a stretch. It's like, I also like the color blue, you know? And other times it's, it's pretty specific or it's like, oh, you know, I heard you talk about your eating disorder. I've, I've also experienced that, or I also moved or whatever it is. But this one, somehow she fit this all in the subject line, but she goes into all the things we have in common. And it was like, I also live in the East Village. We have the same eating disorder recovery therapist. I, I'm also from Michigan. I'm also a Taurus. Oh, and this one was the most wild one. I think there were more. I don't remember. But she had also just broken up with someone who had the same name as the person I had broken up with <laughs> like the same week. And so I answered the email and we met up and then we kept meeting up and we would actually every Friday night, we would go over to her apartment and collage and get Superiority Burger in the East Village. And it was a really lovely, beautiful part of that season of my life. And, and I won't speak for her, but we've kept in touch ever since and, and we don't live in the same city. But her work around beauty and the way she writes about it and talks about it has been something that I've been observing and, and talking to her about through voice texts that we send every once in a while from coast to coast. And so when I was feeling this way yesterday, I sent her a text and basically said what I said to you. And this is what I got from her. I got a ton of quotes and inspiration, I'll call it, around beauty. And one of the most beautiful pieces was an On Being episode with Krista Tippett that I hadn't heard before. And I want to start off this podcast episode reading a quote that I wrote down from that episode. And I'll just say this before I read that quote and set it up. I've started doing these longer intros occasionally where I read something or, or tell you about what the episode brought up in me or give a bit more context. I won't do this every time, but I have been listening to the New York Times Ezra Klein show and he does this where he sometimes tees up an interview with some of his own thoughts. And, you know, maybe I'm just pretending to try that or give it a go. But as always, open to feedback. And if you don't like it, just, you know, skip it and the interview is there for you. But if you do, settle in because I'm about to 
tee up this episode with a quote. I am pulling it up as we speak. So I listened to this episode last night while I was doing laundry and it's with John O'Donohue and he was a poet, theologian, philosopher. He authored many beloved books. And in this conversation that he has with Krista Tippett, it's actually called The Inner Landscape of Beauty. And I could read you about 20 quotes that I wrote down on my telephone while listening to the episode, but I'm just going to read you one. Maybe I'll read you another one at the end that if you liked this, you can anticipate that. And if you didn't, you can fast forward through that just like you're, you know, probably hopefully not listening to this. So Krista Tippett asks him where beauty is, and this is his response. Beauty isn't all about just nice loveliness. Beauty is more rounded, substantial becoming. And I think when we cross a new threshold, that if we cross worthily, what we do is we heal the patterns of repetition that were in us and had us caught somewhere. And in our crossing, then we cross into new ground where we don't just repeat what we've been through in the last place that we were. So I think beauty in that sense is about an emerging fullness, a greater sense of grace and elegance, a deeper sense of depth, and also a kind of homecoming for the enriched memory of your unfolding life. And with that, my episode with Nadine Artemis, where we talk about beauty in several ways. Actually, one more quick note before we get into the episode. If you do want to try, well, we talk about living libations in this, as well as one other product at the end that you'll hear about. And they were both nice enough to give us code. So if you do want to try it, the code is let it out, what the code normally is. And I'll, I'll talk to you more about that at the end. I just wanted to mention it here if you're halfway through the episode and you're multitasking and already pressing the buttons, I wanted you to have the discount. And I'll catch you at the end. You're in Canada, right? Ontario still? Yeah, totally. And so, yeah, we're just, I mean, the sun's just set set now. And so it's just about to go dark. We're just getting like daylight back from like yeah. four o'clock. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It, I mean, still here, it does get dark so early and less time. Yeah. Well, the fun thing I like though is like, you know, soon will be six o'clock, but then by June we're like 930 for daylight. That's incredible. Is that because you are on, because in Michigan, it was like that too, where I moved here from New York and I would always notice that it was a little bit later by the time it got dark there and it stayed light out so much later in the summers there. And I think it's maybe because we're on the edge of the time zone because in LA and New York, we're on the other edge. So it really like at the the height of winter gets dark pretty much at four here and in New York, where I think in Michigan, I don't remember it getting dark until like, you know, four 30 at the very like worst. Like yeah. I think it's half an hour. Yeah. The closer you are to the equator, you have a more consistent sunset time. Oh yeah. So generally, you know, LA, I mean, generally there will be fluctuations and then you get sort of the exaggerated where then you go further North from us, like a lot. And then the days become 24 hours for a couple months. 
wild. So totally. Wild. <laughs> That's the midnight sun, they call it. Wow. Yeah. Have you been up there? Have you spent much time? I haven't because I love where we are so much in the summer. Like we're just like a heaven on earth. I just yeah. don't leave the land in the summer. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. It sounds so lonely. <laughs> um, we're talking on the first of the month. It's a new moon. I'm curious just like how you're feeling. What's what's your day been like? Well, I'm feeling pretty good. I It is a new moon and I just had my birthday the other day. Oh, happy birthday. Thanks. So I just feel like it really is the for real new moon like moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just feeling also uh, as the days are getting lighter and I've got my countdown count till the, the ultraviolet rays come back to the sunshine. So in 11 more days, even though there's like five feet of snow everywhere, we will have vitamin D generating sunbeams back in our world. Mm. I love, you know, tuning into the sun and the moon and its rhythms, but more in the context of like circadian rhythms and seasonal rhythms rather than I'm not like I you know I appreciate astrology and stuff I don't really know anything about it or or those kind of things but I'm very much into like you know the elements and the cosmos and I like to think of the cosmos I like to think of it as our cosmoetics as I feel we want to tune into uh you know water earth earth wind and fire the elements to live our lives and to, you know, to help beautify us and to help us feel good and to just be our partners in living because that's what they're there for. And they keep us alive. The elements. Yeah. I think that I'm similar to you with astrology and like, I find it also interesting. And when someone says, tells me something about mine or about theirs. And I, I, lo I love that it's this, you know, kind of shared language for connection that yeah. clearly we're all longing for it to be. It's easier to say like, I'm this because I'm a Virgo instead of like, see me, this is how I am, you know? So like, I think totally. that's very beautiful and I'm, you know, happy that it exists for that reason. But the the one, when I mentioned the, the moon and the new moon, I grew up without really any connection to food or nature, what we eat or our, um, you know, I felt very disconnected from the circadian rhythms. And one thing that I think educating myself about that I'm still doing now in my thirties, but throughout my twenties on many things that, you know, have informed your work as well. Something I loved when I was preparing for this was like <laughs> your love of health food stores, you know, and <laughs> yeah. there's something I said this recently in a different episode of, uh, I was traveling prior to the pandemic and, and it led me here. And I was in, I was really far away from home. I was in Bali actually. And mm. all the way in Indonesia, I wander into this health food store and it was the <laughs> same as the one in the, the town I grew up in, the same as the one in New York, smells a little of nutritional yeast, which I love. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it, a little nag shampa. <laughs> yeah. It was just so cozy to me. And cause like you, I would go to the workshops and I would meet, you know, it was just, it was just, such a it was my rebellion really of like yeah. you know my, my family owned fast food chains you know like it was just really a, a way for me to learn about something so so different from how I grew up but anyway one of the things that really landed with me was the connection between our bodies as women cycles and the moon mm. and that really just blew my mind and then from a mental health perspective I think of mm. often the tides. Like I think of, you know, when I'm having a low day mentally 
thinking about how the water changes and the tide changes, because I think the heaviest part of it for me is always thinking it will never go away. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I've, I've just felt connected to. And I think wherever we, we feel connected to. And so for some reason, I, I guess with the, with the moon, someone told me once, or I read, or who knows, probably in a health food <laughs> store, but, and I, I'm curious if you've heard this, that at the new moon, it's a time for planting seeds. Like it goes back to farming and it's the 48 hours after the new moon are the prime time to set intentions. And have you heard about this? Oh yeah. You for sure want to be working with the moon and those rhythms for gardening. And I mean, and there are true things. I can't remember which one it is, but like cutting your hair on, I think the full moon and that's all very, very real and documented. And of course the moon makes the waters flow on the planet and all of that. So yeah, we want to know about it. Yeah. It's just being more connected with nature and the patterns of nature is feels so correct. I want to go back to the beginning a bit and, and talk about, you did your thesis on the female orgasm. I did. did. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love. And something else I heard is that men's bodies are studied so much more than women. And I think you articulated, which I didn't know. And I think it's kind of wild that I didn't even know that until I was preparing for this. And then also the way you said it, I think you were like, that puts us at a disadvantage. Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. Well, so there's like, even today, obviously that maybe they're studying things and then you're like, oh, that was, that was a male study or whatever. So there's still that kind of stuff going on. But really what I, what I think is even more, which is like kind of the foundation of all things is like, I don't know, whenever we started thinking about the body and documenting it in our modern Western history, maybe around the 1600s, 1700s, that kind of thing, whatever it was, the male body was the norm, period, in all aspects. So the woman is then not just like, oh, that's a woman body, that's a man body, let us just discover both or whatever. But no, it's like the ideal is the man. And so let us understand the female, but through the male body, right? So what does the female have or not have only in comparison to the male? So then, you know, well, it seems like then we're just sort of these things of these bodies that have these excesses and these fluids that are like menstruation and ovum and breast milk and orgasms that you can't see. And it's just all very confusing, you know, leading whether it was from the mental spheres of Freud calling women's bodies the dark continent to, you know, all, all, ma- all medical models that then obviously if we're looking at the male as normal, we're not going to understand the female body. And that was just so it was set up from the start. And so that's how even we didn't understand female orgasms for like 400 years because there was so many thoughts around that. And like, well, because we couldn't see the female orgasm with the same visual impact as the male. And so then there was just, does a woman have an orgasm? Does she even have an orgasm? That's how she has birth, like gets pregnant when she's had an orgasm. I mean, so much, obviously, confusion, you know? Yeah. How do you think that context sets us up for the situation that we're in now, meaning where we are with gender 
in general, you know, realizing that gender is so fluid and and just not that big of a deal really, (laughs) but also there are some very real impacts that capitalism and society have had on people in biologically female bodies that, you know, clearly with this information goes back to when, what you were just describing. Yeah. Well, if you think about the confusion over women's bodies and not understanding the, you know, how it's functioning, I mean, this is leading to things like the lidomide or, you know, the overuse of hysterectomies, mastectomies, thyroidectomies, not understanding how the thyroid is connected to the reproductive and the ovary system. And I mean, and then also we could speak of, I mean, really, whose idea was it to separate every single section of the body and then make it a separate medical enterprise? And then it's like, well, but it's all functioning together, you know? So our modern medicine is like the foot doctor, the nose doctor, the heart doctor, the endocrinologist. And I mean, obviously, there are moments where you want to specialize, but we decompartmentalize the body that we don't understand the whole. Yeah. I was listening to this literature podcast yesterday about Didion, actually, but it was like not even related to this at all. But they mentioned, they were just talking about how, you know, in the States, and I'm assuming North America, exactly what you're talking about, about specialization. And I guess that's the same. I didn't know this and I'm not a sports person, but apparently that's the same here and how we deal with, they were talking about basketball, which is like one sport I'm like slightly familiar with. And they were saying that European basketball, people are players are primed to know all the different positions like forward and guard. And um, now I'm just bragging that I know the positions, <laughs> but here it's like, okay, you're going to be a center and you're a center. And like, you can't really pivot to be like, maybe you also know a little bit about being a forward, but that perspective seems very North American to the point of the, the medical version as well. It felt really related to me. Yeah. I think we do that to a lot of things. Yeah. You know, even in our own company, we just realized it's better to cross train. Yeah. And it just creates more excitement and fun. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so true. But I'm also curious your perspective. There are years that this, I've been doing this for nine years now. It's, and it's Amazing. always, yeah, thanks. It's always uh, a real time capsule of wherever my brain is at the time. It started out very wellness focused. And I was ex- asking these granular questions like, well, how many chia seeds are going in that smoothie? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like things I just don't really care about anymore. And then for a while, I was really, really on this not so long ago, talking about feeling like a master of none, like feeling like I was doing so much, but not all that well, like from a creativity perspective. And so, you know, that there is something to mastering something and getting really good and focusing. Focus. Focus is really what we think we don't want. We think we want lives of distraction, but focus is so rewarding. And that's where you're really getting lost. I mean, that's what we actually want to do is get lost in that moment. It's like how the French call the orgasm, la petite mort, meaning that little death. And that's where I feel like that's like beauty with a capital B is when you are not, when you are so consumed in that moment, watching that sunset, you are focused and you are one with that experience. 
And that's what's so great about focus, whether it's a hobby or a skill set, but it's really important for humans to find focuses. I agree. Wow. That was really beautiful. That wasn't even like where I thought that that would go, but so, so essentially, first of all, I didn't know that that was what the French, the little death. It's that's one of like, their fun words. Another one of the, their, my favorite words, which I discovered when I was writing my paper. And now we have a product called that. Really? I was going to say, I was like, someone should name something that like the little death should be a restaurant or something. We use that jouissance, which is a French word that we don't really have the English equivalent, which is a, a pleasure beyond description. Oh my God. Oh, like, I don't have the word to like say how I feel about those two words. <laughs> <laughs> I love the word jouissance. So you grew up speaking French. Is that is it part of the curriculum in Canada? Ideally, I would have been because it is part of our curriculum. And had to, I did take it till grade 10. And my father was born in France. Oh, wow. But I really, I could uh, pretty much say, hello, my name is Nadine. Well, it sounds like you know a lot more than that. I really uh, don't. <laughs> well, you could have had me fooled. <laughs> Going back to to the focus piece, uh, so essentially reflecting this back to you, if I have it correct, I think you're talking about presence, right? Like, and, you know, looking at the sunset or having an orgasm or, you know, I think that's why we get our ideas in the shower or walking or driving, meditating, because it's when we're present, when we're in our bodies, when we're here and we're not distracted, essentially, like you said. And I'm also curious, I feel like that is also what we're all craving right now isn't, and it isn't just presence. I think it's actually, this is my thought that's coming to me right now, it's that it's connection because like when I'm doing this, yeah. what I love about podcasting is, and I used to do these in person when I lived in New York before the pandemic, but you know, even right now, like we can't really be multitasking or you sound like not your best. You know what I mean? Like if you're, if someone's on their phone or someone's like, you can't be like typing an email and speaking to me or we're actually, because of that, I think there is actually genuine connection that comes from this. And then hopefully people eavesdropping on this can feel connected in some Through way. Our focus. Right, right, right. And like a, and there's a conversation intimacy that can happen. So do you feel like you move through your days with this sort of present to have you had to, how do you, what does your return look like when you go far away from it? Cause you know, you are running a company and a mom and you know, you have a lot on your plate. So I'm, I'm curious how you handle that. Yeah. Well, I feel like, yeah, for sure. Connection and really what's the, the connection is really our connection to our core, to ourselves, right? That's the, I think the primary connection, if that's not going on, it's hard to connect with others to some extent. Yes, but focus and, and focus sounds like because really, I mean, we could talk about meditation or different things, which sound, you know, which can be, uh, oh, yeah, I, like there's a lot of thoughts that people have with the word meditation, like, oh, I should do that. I didn't do that. I'm not good at that. It can get a bit fancy, even though I mean, it's not, but it's really the same thing as focus, meditation, focus. It's all kind of the same thing. So focus is also less charged for some people. And if you can just find moments of focus like that, it can be like a break. 
so to speak, but we really do have a lot of challenges with distraction. And I've got like sort of the work where I feel like I'm in the moment sort of present and I'm kind of playing like tennis with the day Mm. and I'm like calls and emails and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just serving back and forth. And there's that kind of presence that I need. And then I need the presence where just all of that is turned off and I'm not catching those balls. And then I'm focusing on just something or, or which could be, I mean, maybe that's work at the computer, but often it could just be, now I'm going to focus on my thoughts and I'm going to stare out that window for half an hour yeah. and, you know, bring to that moment. And to me, that's where a lot of stuff can get created as well. But the other reason why we want to focus is because then we're having waking hours, whether that be through meditation or like a focus thing where you're just not having that normal babbling brook of thoughts. That's the real reward from focus is your mind can have a break from that. Yeah. It feels so good. It feels like a little death. (laughs) Yeah. But me, but we think we want distraction instead of focus sometimes, or if we're tired, you know, it's like, Oh, just scroll (laughs) Mm -hmm. or which really isn't, is, isn't focus. Yeah. Yeah. It's a coping mechanism. That's a, that's tapping you out. You know, it's like taking you out. Going back to the thesis on the female orgasm. I also see such a strong connection between orgasm and studying women's bodies and lack thereof previously and beauty and beauty standards because you've spoken about this and written about this and it's something that I think about a lot, but how we feel impacting our beauty and the opposite. Can you talk about that? Meaning, you know, when we feel beautiful physically, I think that I am a bit quicker to laugh, gentler, you know, present with people. And when I, you know, I can even make this more, more simple of like taking away physicality of my body, even like when I like my outfit, right? Like it's like that simple, you know? And when I feel a little bit uncomfortable or it's not my, quite my favorite shirt or whatever, it, it's a little bit there. You can, it's very, very noticeable as human beings. And I think vice versa, when I feel really great internally, I, I feel beautiful externally. And so I I think that is related to sensuality and feeling and, and almost being a, being a pair of eyes. So can you talk about that and what your perspective on that is now and when that came in? Yeah, I do. I really feel like beauty is a feeling. And pretty much we do anything. We make, we have desires and make decisions because we want to feel good. We want to feel better in general. If you think you want something, it's because it's some, you think it's going to make something better. So there's also, so there's the, I think we have an innate desire to feel better. And then I feel like feeling beautiful is sort of like, I think we all want to feel that, right? Like that's a good, we all, if we've had moments of that, it's a good feeling. And so to me, it's about feeling good. And so, which is simple, and then it can also be complex. So then I 
sort of superimpose that over my my realm and my body and for whatever reason i just feel like i've always been super sensory super sensitive and so as i'm little little nadine and teen nadine and growing up as i'm navigating through the world i want to feel good and i want to feel beautiful and then i notice things that interfere with that or knowledge comes in and like well that would disrupt beauty blah 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 so again it can be a simple thing as a feeling but then it's like oh well certain foods blah 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 could disrupt that or these chemicals and ingredients on the skin will eventually disrupt something that will probably create not feeling beautiful and so it's to me was a whole bunch of sort of breadcrumbs along the trail of following that feeling because i think that's a state of being that we can all sort of acknowledge feels good <laughs> and to me that is what beauty is too because it's not like a to-do list it's not a goal beauty isn't something that can be applied to you and it's not like another adrenal driven goal that we have like age just sort of clashing against the rocks of time and that that's all that beauty is is some fight against age and yeah. so for me, yeah, so it's like, okay, I've got to make the formulas and create this and the knowledge and this so that we can navigate our way through the cosmetic part of it. And I, what I mean by that is like the topical care, not like just mascara, but like the cosmetics of it all. And, you know, through that, hopefully, you know, help people unveil and revive their beauty and their beautiful feelings. Yeah. When do you feel the most beautiful? Do you have a memory that comes to mind or in general, like a, a time that you usually feel most authentically yourself and genuinely in the beauty that you're describing? I feel like the ultimate sort of beauty moment for me is being on my dock in the summer in the morning light and the sun and then swimming and then oiling up and tanning after and just being in that that engagement with nature and honoring my body and you know getting to move and swim and feel it and that that that's a beautiful thing for me because it's also like my experience with the, all the lovely things like my friends of the water and the sun and then another another time that you made me think of is just I think of all the like nights where it's just like we're waking up with the baby or whatever. And then Ron will bring us breakfast and, you know, he's, oh my gosh, your cheeks are so rosy in the morning. You know, he would just, he says that a lot, something to that extent. <laughs> That's so beautiful and sweet. Yeah. I feel beautiful when I look in my son's eyes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, speaking of eyes, something that, I think of often, you know, when I'm not feeling beautiful and I'm feeling off is looking at myself as a pair of eyes and not even thinking about my body, which I, I know is maybe problematic in, in some no, ways, but this good. is... No, we can think about it too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just like observing, noticing, you know, like, mm -hmm. wow, I can't believe I get to live here. I can't believe I get to see, you know you are beautiful and, and this, and, and really just that helps me sometimes get out of my own head well, around That makes things. a lot of sense because there's kind of just, 
sort of in a way two states of being. I mean, obviously there's more, but you're either kind of receiving and appreciating life or you're kind of not. And I'm not judging either way, mm -hmm. but when we're appreciating and feeling receptive, it's a good place to be in. But when we're feeling, you know, a bit cranky or not appreciative, that then can start all those other feelings. So yeah, sometimes when you're feeling cranky, it's just to find the closest thing around you that you could possibly appreciate. Like if you're in the lineup at the post office or something, and you're just like, oh, and then there's people in front of you, blah, blah, blah. just, I don't know, find something, look at that window, look at the blue sky and go, oh my God, the blue sky or whatever you need to do to just shift those gears. You know, life is better lived, I think, in the more receptive mode. I think it's just more fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think to your point about volleying the day, like I loved the way you articulated that because I think one thing that takes me out, right, of, of that connection of, of note of to what we were speaking about before, presence, right? You know, connection and noticing and being able to be in the receptive mode often is overwhelm and distraction. And what you said about, you know, you're just volleying things around, like just accepting what is. And someone gave me this mantra. I've said this on the podcast like a million times, but here now in this is something I often come back to of like, just feel your feet. You're at the post office. You're, you know, and you can make anything a, a meditation or presence or, you know, remembering you're a pair of eyes. And I really liked how you said that about, yeah, your day's busy, but you're volleying the day. I'm going to keep that. <laughs> <laughs> to this point though, you know, you mentioned those really sweet memories and, and sensual feelings of feeling beautiful but I'm really curious, you know, with what I mentioned, do you ever feel like you have, I ask this on the show often because of my experience with, with body image and a complex relationship to, to my body over the years, do you feel like you ever have what I call a bad body image day or feeling like you're not beautiful? And, you know, I'm curious if you even feel some added pressure being the founder of living libations and writing your book and, you know, this particular brand. And, you know, if that, that adds even added pressure with, with external beauty and, and if you feel any of that. That's a great question. I'm, I, I feel like I'm pretty good, like mentally with my body and mind. However, everybody has like, you know, feelings of insecurity and insufficiency with various things, you know what I mean? With their body and, and everything. So I'm certainly not immune to that, but I feel like I've luckily had fortitude to not be too harsh on myself because I, I feel like too, though, I really, I love thinking about thinking and thoughts. And I really feel like the content of our thinking is really key to like having I don't know. I feel like the content of our brains really runs our day. And if you've got a good babbling brook in your head, or you're happy with that conversation, that's a good thing. Otherwise, you know, we can really be arguing for our limitations within our own mind quite often. So mm -hmm. I really feel it. it's so key to living to just whatever way in you can feel peace with, you know, who you are is good. And the things that you can't change, 
which I'm there's I'm, sounds like a Hallmark quote in there somewhere. There's right. What is that? Except the things the you cannot change. Yeah, yeah, there you I go. Mean, I think popping that serenity prayer and everything, like it's cliche for a reason. Accept what you cannot change, change what you can, wisdom to know the difference, like all yeah. tracks. <laughs> <laughs> now, and then that being said, I mean, to me, the, the beauty isn't skin deep. And, and so I really, I do, you know, we think about all the time, I mean, rethink all the time about our cellular health like that's one of my favorite that's really you know the mitochondria it's like that's what I love to study and we've got all these beautiful beautiful things that we make so I also I feel like you know luckily living libations is my work but also the beautiful products that we make of course keeps my skin and everything and teeth all happy and then we really do you know I'm always looking at, you know, health things and different modalities that can really help the body. So we're always working with health. And so while maybe this does add more pressure on some levels, it's like a whole lifestyle for me. So I figure the fun ride is, is that we're always discovering, like, so there's the sort of beauty as the philosophical and the feeling. And then there's just sort of the care and the beauty and that real day-to-day of like, your teeth and washing your face, which does need to be done. So I feel like that has just been such a gift to me. And that as I, you know, and it's a non-ending, like I will keep discovering and formulating, you know, in this lifetime. And so that's the fun part too. So I feel like as we create beauty for people, we get beautified Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we keep learning more and more. And then the whole world right now is learning so much about health and mitochondria and longevity. I read that your first store was called Osmosis, right? Yeah. Yeah, which speaks to that. I I love that. I want to get into aging a little bit, and I'd love to hear your thoughts and perspectives on aging related to beauty, but, but also timing in life. You know, I think there's a level of, of course, your products are amazing. And of course there are, you know, these things we can do for our bodies and health. And I love so many aspects of, of wellness culture as much as the next guy, you know, we love a good health food store in this family. However, (laughs) I I also really believe, you know, in the the, the, the French sort of way of like in, enjoying our life and being present for our, our life. And I ha- have to be so honest that I've been someone who's, you know, I've been aware of your products for so many years and I love them and I'm, and I'm so happy that they exist. And I'm also someone who, when we start talking about wellness and health, I have spent so many years being so dogmatic about it and 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 missing my life and, and really in a in a problematic sort of orthorexic way. So with that, you know, trusting timing and allowing for for aging, I I heard you speak about this of, you know, there's the school of thought with Botox, I'll use as an example, or like some of these things that are like a quick solution that some people just like need and that's fine or the quickness of it. And then there's also the the slow patience and then a level of <laughs> the serenity prayer again of accepting like, sure, we can, we can do all these things, but I'm not going to become a foot taller. You know what I mean? And like, that's a silly example, but there's, there's a level of genetics with these things and there's a level of, of time. And I'm just curious where you are with aging with, you know, finding the balance of 
curiosity and, and fun with it and enjoying your life and acceptance. Oh, well, to me, that's the amusement park of life. It's <laughs> like trying this stuff and we have so much fun. It's like our whole, we got like labs here, you know, we just like process or put our bodies and try these different things. It's so fun. I'm not, I don't judge anybody that does Botox because I don't think we have enough self-esteem as a culture to fully address that issue. But it doesn't actually solve anything. And it, you know, it is, I wouldn't do it myself, but I totally don't judge it because I mean, the pressure to be like perfectly, you know, porcelain skin and wrinkle free is like impossible. You know, the beauty standards, they've always been aft. <laughs> They're certainly not getting any better. But I think like you could get obsessed with anything and, and not live your life. So I can see, you know, both sides of that. But I don't feel any sort of dogmatism with that. I, I'm, I'm a rebel and like, I am a total rebel. I'm a renegade. And so I don't get dogmatic about anything. I have no discipline to like, you know, I don't, I don't do things in my life through discipline. Only ever through inspiration is the only way I can move through anything. I have to be fully inspired. Otherwise, I don't do it. That's so cool. Yeah, I can be very disciplined and extremist, so I have to be a little bit careful. But I, yeah, I, I really, I really love that. This week's episode is brought to you by Third Love. I have a couple items of clothing that fit me like a glove, and I know I can put them on. I know they're gonna fit, and I'm gonna feel like myself in them and that is how I always want to feel in what I'm wearing. I, I don't know if that quite makes sense but for me that item in my closet that feels so correct is a dress. It's a dress I've had forever. I hope I keep forever and for third love it's their 24-7 classic t-shirt bra. It's their number one bra for a reason. It offers unparalleled comfort thanks to every unique detail and its fit, its style, its function, its designed. It's loved and worn by millions of people because it doesn't pinch or dig. It feels really comfortable. I'm one of those people. I'll tell you right now, I'm wearing it. The 24-7 t-shirt bra is designed to fit and form to your body because every detail has been made with ultimate comfort in mind, which I think is really cool. It's thin memory foam and it gives you a lot of comfort and support. Comfort and support for your boobs. And I would love that in, in every area of my life, to be honest. Can they help with that too? Maybe. I don't know. Third Love does a lot and I really, really love it. Everything I have from them feels so comfortable and looks cool. And, I, you know, I wear their underwear. I wear this pajama set I've been wearing. And they have this fitting room quiz, which is really cool, where you can get detailed descriptions of, of how you want their items to fit and find your perfect size and style. Comfort and quality, very, very helpful. These are gonna last a long time and that's really important to me because I don't like to have items of clothing that come and go. I really like to keep things and it's more sustainable 
And finding something that fits you is really, really crucial to, to making that happen. So go to their fitting room quiz and find out about your bra size. Did you know a lot of people are in the wrong bra size? This will help you make sure it's correct for you. And they, you know, they have this fit guarantee actually. So if it doesn't fit you, exchanges and returns are free for 60 days. So there's really no, you know, stress here. And Oh, here's the best part. Third Love is the largest donor of undergarments in the US, partnering with organizations across the country. They've donated over $40 million of bras to help people in need. Feeling is believing. Give your boobs the 24-7 comfort and support they deserve. Upgrade your bra today and get 20% off your first order today at thirdlove.com slash let it out. That's 20% off at thirdlove.com slash let it out. This week's episode is brought to you by Everly Well. Everly Well is really, really cool. It can help you get more clarity and confidence with your well-being by giving you access to over 30 at-home lab tests. What if you could use science to discover more about your body and learn more about these markers that can help you understand where you're at. And Everly Well does that with their at-home tests. I did it and I have really, really loved understanding more about myself. They have so many different options for you. With over 30 tests, you'll be able to choose the ones that make the most sense for you. So there's metabolism, there's one called sleep and stress, and there's a thyroid test, which is the one I did. And that's just a few. Like I said, there's many, many more options dozens of more options. Everly Well ships your at-home test straight to you with everything you need for simple collection. And you just use this prepaid label, which is lovely, and you mail your test back to a certified lab. And in just days, your physician-reviewed results come to you with some actionable insights sent right to your device. It's so simple. Over 1 million people have trusted Everly Well with their at-home lab testing. I really loved it. Like I said, I learned more about my thyroid through this process, things that I would have never been able to know on my own. And it was so easy. I didn't even have to leave my house. I really think you'll like it as well. It was quick. It was painless. And for you, the listeners of this show, Everly Well is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash let it out. That's everlywell.com slash let it out for 20% off your at-home lab test. Everlywell.com slash let it out. Thanks, Everlywell. None of us like to lose money in something that we've invested in. And whether or not you're into crypto or you have cryptocurrency in your portfolio, it never hurts to explore an alternative type of investment. And one of my favorites is artwork. Fine art isn't just beautiful, it's also an investment. Contemporary art pieces outpace the S&P 500 from 1995 to 2020. And more and more women are taking advantage of it. According to Forbes in 2021, for the first time ever, women investors spent more on art than men did. And while most of us can't buy, you know, a Monet or an artist that's well known, today's sponsor, Masterworks, makes it possible for everyone to add blue chip artwork to your portfolio. 
they're giving my listeners priority access at masterworks.io promo code let it out you should definitely check out their offerings and learn more at masterworks.io promo code let it out c regulation a disclosures at masterworks.io slash about slash disclosure thanks masterworks I'm curious about what you said about beauty standards and beauty standards have existed forever for millennia and they're constantly, you know, shifting a bit based off of, you know, what is difficult to attain or what society deems as special, right? And different. And I do feel like, and I'm curious if if you sense this, you know, with the younger generations, you know, there's a even just, you know, in the last several years, like the natural makeup trend or the dewy skin trend or rather than, I don't even know what I'm talking about really, but like, you know, and I I do think body image wise, there's like a, an acceptance of a neutrality for bodies and more body diversity, hopefully, because it's so boring if we all looked the same and we, you know, and and just variants in our skin. So what do you think will help beauty standards shift to a more gentle place? Well, I don't know if they'll ever shift to a more gentle place, but I think we're in a very interesting time because just like, let's say, musical genres or fashion, like if you want to wear bell bottoms right now, you go right the hell ahead. If you want to wear tapered, whatever pant you want to wear, you can. You want to wear a miniskirt, long skirt. Like there is I'm sure there's trends now, but literally all things exist right now. All genres exist. And so I feel like that's also in the realm of, you know, body image and beauty. There's like niches for everything. So while the standards of beauty are like insane, if we think of like, I mean, I used to think beauty magazines were a problem, right? All we had to do was not look at those. But obviously with social media and filters, it's like a new level of insanity And of course, you know, we've got surgery now that can also make you look like an Instagram filter. So there's all that. And that's not going anywhere at all. That'll grow. But I think all the other realms are strong too. Green beauty's never been stronger. You know, the desire to not have chemicals in our beauty products has never been stronger. Yeah, It's hard to think I was like one of the first beauty lines in the 90s that was like green. And I didn't even realize it at the time. Yeah. I mean, even just in the years that I've been doing this podcast, I remember I became aware of living libations. I had one oil from you when I was, I think it was the do, do dab. Yeah. When I was like 23 and I was so excited and felt like I was in on a secret, you know, (laughs) like it was this special thing that like I only knew about. And I had, I like met another friend and she also had your line and I like thought it was so cool. And now I'm so happy about this, but now it's not this niche club. I'm so happy more people know about living libation. More people know about it, but it's still like such a tiny realm. Yeah. Like we're just a drop in a beautiful bucket. That to me is so cool, but I also understand like the, the want and desire for you to be just like these, you know, household names in every part. Uh, of the, I don't, the- I don't need to be a household name in every <laughs> house at all. Yeah. No need for that. This I'm like 30 years in here making my own cosmetics. I started my store in 1992. It's so cool. 
Can you go back to talking about, you mentioned sensuality with beauty and I want to hear about your synesthesia because I think it's so fascinating and how you view the world that we've gotten to hear a little bit and how even as a kid, you were alchemizing and, and mixing things. And one of my favorite things I found when I was researching this is how you were waitressing and you were helping your friends while waitressing. And I think that's when like some of the seeds of, you know, the company you've just mentioned that you've had for 30 years were really growing and, and planted. Can you, can you talk about that propensity towards doing the work you're still doing now? Yeah. Well, I just, I love the formulating. And to me, it's just so connected to like, there's just so much purpose to like making a good toothpaste, for example, right? Like one that can remineralize the teeth and not cause receding gums. I mean, that's like so fun because to me, it's like art with like so much purpose. Like, it's like, you know, like if a painting could floss your teeth. <laughs> so I love to formulate and create. And to me, part of what seems really easy about formulating is I get a lot of, I don't know when I think, and it's, it's not, it's, it's not that uncommon to have synesthesia, which is kind of a combining of two senses. And so every word, or as we're talking right now, it's like, I have a screen of words and they're all different colors. Everything it's like moving with colors. It's sort of hard to explain. So to formulate and to blend Part of that experience in my mind is just really coming from the color imagery that has its own formula, which is like layered on top of the other information of like time, margarine, frankincense, or whatever. If that, hopefully I can explain it in a way that's making sense. And so most of the formula is like, you know, it's 98% all happening in my mind. And then that last moment in like real and manifest reality time or whatever, whatever, where I'm moving bottles around is like that last percent of, of, of it. And it's usually coming out pretty exact without too many adjustments, which is fun. That's so cool. So that time, you know, when you were waitressing and you were bringing things and, and helping your friends, did you have a vision for, you know, where you'd be 30 years in the future? Not fully. So I'm helping my friends and I've, you know, I'm making like, that's when I'm starting to make and lip balms and perfumes and creams. And I made the waitress legs to help everybody's spider veins, which were working or people would have eczema and then I'd make something and it would work. So like all these little like, irritations, you know, that can bring us down sort of in just that day-to-day care of our skin. And like, we're solving things. I'm like, this is amazing. (laughs) And that I'm in university at that phase. I still have a few years to go, but I knew what I wanted to do when I got out, which was to actually bring us all together in a store and have a blending bar and make perfumes like for people on the spot and then sell all these beautiful ingredients that are so precious, like, a, you know, a steam distilled rose auto from Bulgaria, which could be sometimes that's like over a dollar a drop or orange blossoms and stuff. So that we had this, so I knew I wanted to have a bar and then people could come up and, you know, get little drops put in oils or make their own recipes and that kind of a thing. So I knew that. And then ultimately I knew at some point I wanted to just sort of have my own little 
green empire out in the country. And if I'm encapsulating that the vision at that moment, that's about as far as it went. <laughs> mm, it's so cool. And yeah, I'm just really happy that it exists and that you're, because I, I think probably part of the reason that it feels so good is because taking it back there, I think it's easier to, you're still doing this, obviously helping people is what I'm trying to say. But back then it was, you were seeing it for the first time. And I believe that we're wired that way. We're wired to want to help people and not in an altruistic sort of a way, but it, it feels good. I had to, I imagine that, you know, you being able to help your friend that you're waitressing with, with their eczema or veins or whatever it is, feels so good because, you know, in our conversation about beauty, I've been thinking a lot about hair. I keep making this joke to my friends that I, I've been wearing beanies a lot here and I left my beanie somewhere and I asked like three friends if I could borrow a beanie before like mine came. And my friend was like, why do you need a beanie at all times? Like, what is your problem? <laughs> and I was like, oh, 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 it's very simple. I'm having a bad hair year actually turns Aww. out. <laughs> like, and that's what I was Well, let's, feeling. let's, I, we can solve that. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Well, I think, you know, a lot of my hair was kind of, you know, breaking off or just like it wasn't feeling, it's just yeah, shorter it sounds than like the nourishment's not getting there yeah. into the strands. So I wonder if there is any kind of buildup in the scalp. Could yeah, be a maybe. thing. But also the fun thing is there's, um, I, you know, I'm normally on this side of the interview, but there was such a revolutionary compound extracted last year that I had to do an interview because it's so keyed into beauty. And I feel like, you know, and in these years, these past 30 years, I've, you know, I, I was biohacking and biofinessing before it was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's my bio amusement park, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like I've tried every supplement on the planet. So I was like, all right, let's try this one and wasn't expecting too much. And so the side effects, and I say that in a funny way, cause it's like, there's no bad things with this thing, but the side effects, so not the actual core thing that it's doing, but your side effects are going to be longest lashes you've ever had in your life, shiny, happy hair. And like your nails are going to be rock solid. It looks like freckles and melasma starts to fade from the skin, pores tighten up. Oh my God. <laughs> Everything you've ever wanted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I was also like being in beauty. This is like the first thing I've ever known to do all that. And it's, it's an extract that people that has, you know, they've been trying to figure out how to get it for forever because the extract is called spermidine, which is a polyamine and a po polyamines are like spermidine isn't every living thing on the planet, every plant, every animal, every human. And yes, it's in sperm, it's in breast milk, it's in our bodies. And the extract is from the wheat germ and it's a very clean extract. It's organic. They remove the rancid oils. And even and I hadn't eaten gluten for like 10 years. Most people I know don't eat it. And these, the spermidine doesn't seem to be an issue for people. And they also have one coming out uh, from a chlorella extraction for people that really want to avoid it. So the key thing that is, so it's been very studied people. And there's like, like over 2000 studies on polyamines. And it was like, how can we really find the concentrated spermidine? 
And studies show that the spermine takes care of six of the nine biomarkers of aging. And before two years are out, we will have studies to show that it takes care of all nine. What it is doing is autophagy, mitophagy, and lipophagy in a very, very deep way and in a very gentle way. So while you're getting cellular cleanup of all your zombie senolytic cells, your hair starts growing. It puts your hair in the growth phase within six days. And also like, I, it's so fun because we've got the, the cleanest, greenest, most beautiful mascara coming out this summer. It's Ooh, been years oh in the God, making. I'm so excited for that. Oh, it is so thrilling. And it's so fun because my eyelashes have never been longer in their life. And wow. then it's so fun because I get a, I probably put on mascara about once a month, but it's so fun now because I'm putting on the new one and the lashes are so oh long and the mascara kicks ass. It's like the best, most buildable mascara I've ever used. So that's a, like just a very fun thing about spermidine. Um, you know, men that start, you know, in the 50s, 60s, you see that thinning out seeing it grow back on a lot of people, a lot of gray hairs growing back brown for people. Wow. Again, this isn't like, that's not my product, not my company. I'm best friends with the owners now, of course. And we're making a spermidine cream because topically wow. it makes a difference too. And it's even good for oral care. It's so phenomenal. And it really eliminates like a lot of other supplementation. And, you know, if you're able, if you have the budget, I would totally go for like a three bottle situation so you can really get going. But I, I'm pretty sure you won't ever want to be without it because, I mean, it just, the benefits keep going. I'm almost a year now. I think I'm like about 11. I started it the, about this time last year. When did you start to see results when you were taking it? Within six days. What? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say six months. No, then by six months, I was, then I put on mascara, like in the summer, I was like, oh my God, it is making, it was supposed to make the lashes grow. I mean, I've never had lashes grow. Wow. I, have you? I mean, it kind of feels like they're set. That other brand, it, they don't take out the rancid oils and there's a talc in there. There's just two oh, brands yikes. on the planet. Where, yeah. What's it called? Oxford Health Span, Oxford Health Span, Primadine is the, cause she of course didn't, she was like, I don't want my mother having to say spermidine. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what's it's called, it called primidine, primidine, primidine okay. from Oxford Health Span. But we're also seeing, I mean, deep stuff going on for our mitochondria and cellular cleanup. Wow. Which is really cool. I want to go back to the mascara, if you don't mind. <laughs> oh, I love talking about the mascara. <laughs> is, it, is it also nourishing for your... Eyelashes. Is it nourishing for your <laughs> eyelashes? Would we do I was, anything I was assuming else? <laughs> I, I, I was assuming I knew the answer, but can you talk about it? Yeah, we've got like, oh, all like it's, you know, they're not good ingredients in mascara, but there can be. And every, like every formulation I make, every ingredient has purpose and counts. There's no filler. We've got beautiful things like frankincense in there and peptides that help with lash growth and castor oil which helps with lash growth your lashes so will be excited. in the best best health they've ever been in going back to the the hair growth thing i've been into herbalism and drinking nettle tea is that something that you yeah have? nettle tea is glorious and beautiful and such an ally for the body and a great tonic 
And it, and it, you know, over time it might help with hair growth and it's certainly not hindering it in any way and do it, but nothing like the spermidine. That's yeah. what I mean. Like every herb, like Hoshi Woo, magnesium, biotin, name all your hair herbs and vitamins around the world. Nothing even comes close to the spermidine. Well, I'll tell you this. I've already added it to my cart. Ordered it since you've been talking. So. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been amazing. Can we end with some rapid fire questions? Absolutely. Okay. So one thing I heard you talk about is making your work something that you love. And, you know, you now, you you work with your partner, you have an entire team around you. And you mentioned, you know, the, one of my biggest takeaways from this is the volleying through your day thing. But I'm curious, you know, do you ever get overwhelmed and what helps you with that? Uh, oh, absolutely. I'm sure there's moments and definitely, I mean, like the time our whole house and business burnt down, that was really overwhelming. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Lost oh, everything. That? 2013. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened. That's no, okay. We had our pajamas. Oh my God. I didn't even wear good pajamas that night. I was like, damn Oh my it. God. <laughs> That's so wild. A real Phoenix rising from the ashes, literally. Totally. And it was so crazy. Like some, and then finding, it was like sifting and sorting through the ashes. It's like, I know my mother had died six months before that, which was tragic enough. And then I, all of her beautiful heirlooms oh that were like God. 18th century, all went up in flames too including like some old family silverware where and that of course that kind of survived even though it was all blackened and then I remember picking one up and I was like oh yeah and it had the old family crest on it which is a phoenix rising out of the ashes I'm not right but I mean a phoenix it was a phoenix wow. so I have that and then another thing I, I found was um I like I love little divination decks <laughs> I'll get them all so of course they all blew up, but you know, you get little remnants of things. And then I, I see this lone little card and it's all burnt around. I have a picture of it and it just says, you are safe. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. What did you learn from that experience or what was the aftermath? Like so ten, um, nearly 10 <laughs> years after. Well, I, now I, don't, I can hardly even believe it happened. Yeah. yeah. And we can obviously, I mean, we were able to joke about it pretty soon. We like humor. Yeah. I think it's a really useful. Oh yeah. I mean, what do I feel like often say, what do we have left except like beauty and laughter? Yeah. Really? Totally. You know? And I think they feed each other, right? Absolutely. Wow. I'm so sorry that happened. I, That's I, okay. It's, you know what's cool though? I mean. We are, we are on our land. So we, you know, the contents of the home was crazy because it was also like our whole business. And we'd actually moved out to this little cabin and we are just about to build our like building to take it like all to the next level. Like that was going to happen on the Monday morning. We are like, you know, architectural plans done, the permits, the blah, blah, blah. And that didn't happen because luckily though, we had the savings to build the building, which then we were able to just you know, used to just totally, because we had to buy all the inventory and everything again. Oh my God. I forget what I was going with all that. Overwhelm. Oh yeah. <laughs> overwhelm. Yeah. So obviously huge moments of overwhelm, yeah. like, and, you know, and then really like having the extra loss of like thinking of like, oh yeah, that painting of my mother or, oh my God, all the family photos. And, you know, I mean, and then you, you know, a few days would go by and you'd remember other, some other devastating thing you'd never see again. Yeah. So it took a moment, but 
I mean, my, our team really helped us through that. I can't think of like all my coping abilities in that moment, but what I do do generally with overwhelm or like at the beginning of the pandemic, when we all needed a moment, we were all like, what the hell is going on? And I just found what I was doing in those days is I just would meditate more, which isn't for me, meditation, sometimes just going into deep thought and like daydreaming outside the, you know, looking at the window or whatever, but I'm definitely a little bit transported. And I just found like I would do that maybe four times a day, just really, you know, check in, tune in and always come back to the self. You know, the whole GPS to the whole of existence is inside of you. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think that's, that's it, right? Like just meditating more when things, when you're, what do they say? Like when you're too busy, meditate more, right? (laughs) Yeah, like just stop. If you're too busy running around, like stop. Another thing I'll do if it's not like that passive, it's just just take stock, which is often just cleaning the area. Like I'm not saying necessarily, and it's not like cleaning, maybe like mopping, but like go into that area. You know, maybe it is like, you know, business related or whatever, your desk. Like take stock. What do you got? And because that way you can get refreshed about where you are, what you have, what is the current reality of your resources. And I mean that on all levels. And because it takes you out of like, oh, I need that before I, and just don't negotiate that trade-off. Never say I need that before I, you know, or I'll be happy when I never say those things. That's like your bargaining life force right there. Yeah. I love that. What about small shifts? You know, someone who's listening right now who wants to, you know, make just like, I think oftentimes the really small free things like hydration and sleep are way more valuable than anything that costs money really like what yeah, and sunshine what are, yeah what are some things that you know you would say to someone like wanting to make some shifts right now who might be overwhelmed right of to of a place to start just the know the first step is the last step so you just need one step in the right direction one thought in the right direction you know just just go to that next better thought or just if you want to, or if you want to take an action item, do something simple, you know, and just connect with the sun, connect with the moon when it's out, spend five minutes in the sun, get the infrared, near infrared, the, the whole light spectrum is there. And our bodies were designed to interact and communicate with the sun. We literally have chromophores on every mitochondria. We have parts of our eyes that, yes, they're, they're getting information to them, throw us back imagery, but there's also you know, receptors that are taking in light forms and light waves to give information to the rest of the body. And so we can use that to help us organize ourselves and ourselves, which helps us give us the life force to make small changes. I love that. Your your dental care is something that I have not gotten into at all, but I heard you talking about my ears perked up when I heard you say receding gum line. And I was like, oh my God, the last time I went to the dentist, they told me I had receding gum line and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and so I'm so like, you know, what, what would you say to me? Someone who, you know, is open and like wants to 
get started with this stuff, but I, I really was kind of contemplating, like I used the white strips when I was in high school and my teeth would get so sensitive and my, yeah. you know, I had braces and headgear and the whole thing. And so, you know, what's, what would you say of like a starting point with dental health? Yeah. I mean, receding and uh, bleeding gums is so common. Well, we have, I mean, there's so many, <laughs> that's like, we could have a two hour, 10 hour discussion about yeah. teeth. Obviously we make beautiful toothpaste and dental serums and I have a book and we have, we have a whole dental ecosystem. That aside for just one moment, if you just stop whatever stuff you're using and just used baking soda for the rest of your life, you would be like a thousand times better off than putting that other stuff in your mouth that creates bleeding and receding gums and gum pockets that are too deep. So that's like the simplest thing ever. You can even, you know, you can rinse with it before add a little pinch to water and do a, a alkalinizing rinse, which gets the whole oasis of your mouth into homeostasis. It helps if there's been any acidic foods and then you could literally brush with it. I mean, it's kind of boring for the rest of your life, but literally that one switch is a miracle to mouths. Cool. I'm in. Wow. I'm going to really explore a lot there. And on our website, we have like the eight steps and lots of free articles. And oh, I've even done just, you know, fully focused podcasts yes, on dental I'll health. Link to, I'll link to that. I was just curious. I did one with yes. like Dr. Gundry and Ben yeah, Greenfield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Those are good ones. I listened to this podcast recently about seashells and it was like the connection between our teeth. And anyways, it was cool. But one, one last thing I want to ask you about. So I always ask you a greatest hit story and yours involves being in the desert with Ron and Joshua tree. Can you tell us? <laughs> oh, that's a fun one. It reminds me, well, the, Ron and I had just been like together for about a month and I had to go speak at this conference in Arizona. And he was like, well, I thought it was ready. And he's like, you're forgetting one thing, me. I'm going to come. Oh. And I was, I was definitely like, okay. Oh my God. Okay. Work thing. Okay new boyfriend. And I'm trying to, I'm going to work at the same time. Like I didn't know if I'd be able to focus <laughs> anyway, of course I could, but it was so fun because then we, we, we went to Joshua tree and well, but prior to that, he had like strung together all the, like got a needle and thread from the hotel and strung together a whole bunch of neroli blossoms and made a necklace for me to wear. So I was like, Mm, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty sweet guy after my own heart. I mean, what's better than the smell of grapefruit or like orange blossoms around your neck, right? And then we go to Joshua Tree and we're just, uh, we didn't have plans. So we just had like sort of an air mattress and we just like bought our, you know, sleeping bags and just slept right, just went right into the middle of like Joshua Tree somewhere and just slept out and under the stars. And it was just so epic. And, you know, and he's totally in and I'm like, let's make sun tea. And he's just loving that. And then the thing that just totally got my heart was we're on a hike and I turn around and he's just got desert sage, just like jammed up both nostrils. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I just want to smell it all the time. And I was oh, just like, oh, he's so for me. <laughs> wow. That's such a good story. How long have you been together? 20 years now this wow. year. What's your greatest lesson on relationships? Hmm. I think like a good thing to always know is just don't try to change people. But I feel like I, I knew that, but it's just a good thing to know again, right? Acceptance. Yeah. And just like 
love that, you know, love everybody as they are, I think is a good place to start. And I think what's also been fun is working together because you do have to work together, whether you have a business together or not, you are like running a household, which is work. There's many work aspects to that. And so it's like, why not work together if you know, you've already got to figure out how to work together? And so it's been fun to do that and to you know, hold, we each have our own you know, visions and thoughts about life, but we also have this shared vision and goal for what we want to create and for how we want our family to be. And that's really fun to create with somebody. Yeah, I bet. I, I love that. Well, thank you so much for, for being here and talking with me. Is there anything that you wish that I would have asked that you never get to talk about? Did I squeeze you for all your juice? Is there anything <laughs> else that you want to share? Oh, I'm sure you did. I'm feeling satisfied. <laughs> oh, good. Well, the show is called Let It Out, so we end letting out a deep breath. Are you down? That sounds perfect. Yeah. Okay. So inhale. Let it out. <sighs> Thank you so much, Nadine. This is really fun. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Okay, that's my episode with Nadine Artemis. I really enjoyed talking to her. I think she's lovely. And like I said, I've been using living libations for years. I really, really love them. They're very, very special. And the code Let It Out gives you 10% off. The link to that will be in the show notes. And that product that she mentions at the end, I mean, let me tell you, I've been taking it. I love it. And they also set us up with the discount, which is really cool. So if you want 10% off, the code is let it out for both. And I truly, you know, this is not an ad. This is just a genuine, I really, really love both of these things. And I learned about them right along with you in this episode. So if you do want to try them, that's the code for you. And thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. And my friend Juliana, who I mentioned, she is incredible. And I will link to her Instagram. It's Bedside Manor. And I love her so much. So follow me and Juliana and Nadine, if you want to, and Living libations and of course let it out this podcast that you're listening to has its own instagram it's just at let it out with three t's so that's where i post about the new episodes and a bunch of other things my and by a bunch of other things you know related to this podcast and not that often but my instagram where i post occasionally even other things is just my name at Katie Dalebout. Send me a message. Let me know that you're listening or, you know, tag the podcast and I can reshare it and then we can all find each other. I always choose an emoji for us to comment on the guest's Instagram, on my Instagram this week, you know, on Juliana's Instagram. What should we choose? Maybe the most beautiful emoji to you? I think, well, I guess then we won't know what it is it won't be the secret code if it's just a different emoji but comment your favorite emoji next to the bird emoji yeah there's probably a couple birds but i'll let you make that call thank you so much for being here and listening all the way to the end i'm so grateful if you found this podcast entertaining or useful please send it to a friend and if you want to leave a review on itunes that would be really actually genuinely so helpful and supporting the sponsors really does help so we can you know keep doing it 
All right. I love you so much and I'll talk to you next week.